0: Today we're beginning a new message series, which I've entitled Four Priorities for Life. Four Priorities for Life. Life in the 21st century is busy. Anybody agree? Uh, we all have to keep a lot of plates spinning, as it were. Most of us are responsible for ourselves, obviously. We're responsible for our families. Many of us, were are responsible for our jobs, uh, responsible for our homes, our, our, our church, our And each of those responsibilities has many components that take our time, that take our uh, energy each and every day. And not only are we very busy in the 21st century, but we have an unprecedented number of distractions in our life. Things that can keep us from fulfilling the responsibilities that we have. Never before in the history of mankind have we had the ability to connect with basically unlimited information, and unlimited entertainment at the click of a button. its never happened before. Uh, We do that through the internet, uh, direct access TV, our smartphones. It's estimated that in three years by 2017, 70% of the world's population, over five billion people will all have mobile phones. That's a lot of phones. And that number keeps increasing. And again, that represents unprecedented communication opportunity and unprecedented distraction possibility. With so many distractions, many people are living unfocused lives. They don't really know what to do. They get distracted here, they get distracted there, they get entertained here, entertained there. They're unsure what they should be prioritizing in their lives. Now, God's Word has a great deal to say about what our priorities in life ought to be. God's Word has a great deal to teach us about how we can be successful in God's eyes. The first verse we're going to look at today is found in Psalms 90, verse 12. And I'd encourage you to pull out the white sheet in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out, as well as they'll be up on the monitors. On the back of the outline, it has some study questions. I'd encourage you to go through that, or even better, Go to a life group uh, that's going through them as well. And we'll be going through the uh, study questions tonight at the Sunday Night Life Group right here in Chesterfield. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us that we do not have an unlimited amount of time in our lives. God has allowed it a certain number of days for each of us to live our lives here on this Earth. And that number varies with different people, and we don't know how long it's going to be for any of us. We have a limited number of days in this life, and God wants us to understand that we have limits on our days in our lives. We need to understand that, and we need to prioritize our lives with godly wisdom so that we can fulfill the things that God is calling us to do in our limited lifespans. Life is not about pleasing ourselves. It's about pleasing our Creator. It's about living out and fulfilling the plan that He has for our lives. When God created you, when He created me, he didn't just create us and said, go, go do your own thing for 70, 80, 90 years. No, he said, I'm creating you with a purpose in mind. I'm creating you with a job to fulfill. And when you fulfill that job, when you fulfill your purpose that I created you for, you're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to live the best possible life that you could possibly live. And you're going to be preparing yourselves for an incredible eternity. Now, that's the kind of life I want to live. Now, in the message series, we're going to be talking about four priorities for life. Now, each of these priorities is things that God wants us to pursue with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our, all of our souls. Now, the first priority we're going to be talking about is loving God. That is the most important priority in life, to love God. And for the believer, God is to be our number one priority in life. Nothing else should come before the Lord God in our lives. Every believer confesses that Jesus is Lord, and that means that He is the one that we follow. He is the one that we obey. He is the one whose plans we carry out. So I've entitled today's message, Loving God Through Worship. Loving God Through Worship. Love is not just an emotion. It's not an emotion, actually. Love is a choice. It's a choice to please and to obey God in each and every way. We want to learn to love God. and One of the ways that we do it is through worship. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so God commands us to love God with everything we have. That encompasses everything. Our hearts, our souls, our, our strength. And so one of the most important ways that we express our love for God is is through worship. Worship is an expression of reverence. It's a way that even though we may not do it outwardly, we are bowing down before God. The word worship uh, in the New Testament means to bow down as if to, to kiss the feet, to bow down, uh, to acknowledge that God is greater than us, that we love him deeply. We want to honor him. Worship, for the believer, is to be a way of life. Oftentimes, when we think of worship, we think, well, that's what we do on Sunday mornings when we sing songs. And yes, we worship God through singing. We worship God through praising him through music. That's talked about many times in the Bible. That's an important way to worship God. But worship is to be part of our daily lives, Monday through Saturday, expressing our love to God through worship in many different ways not just through songs, although that is one way. You can sing in the shower. You can sing in your cars. And nobody hears you. Isn't that wonderful? Except yourself. But you can do other things to worship God. I'd like us to watch a video called An Act of Worship, talking about how we can worship God seven days a week. So God wants us to learn how everything we do in life can be an act of worship done for Him, expressing our love for God. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 116. Now the Psalms are a great resource for learning how to worship. i I encourage you to, to read them often. The first key to loving God through worship is to remember God's deliverance. In other words, remember what God has done for you in the past. Only believers can truly worship God, and God has given every believer a great deliverance. At one time, you and I were in great need. Verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 116, the psalmist writes and says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. And so this psalmist was encountering some type of life-threatening danger. He'd encountered a trouble that was bigger than he could cope with. He was overcome with sorrow. There seemed to be no hope. I noticed that the psalmist recognized he was in a dire situation. He was in a situation that was too big for himself to deal with. He knew that without divine intervention, there would be no hope for him. And so... He called on the Lord to save him. He acknowledged that there was a Lord. Somebody who could help him. And we're going to see in a minute that each of us, each of us has been in great need. There's nobody accepted in this room. We have been in great need, but some of us may not have recognized our need. But The psalmist recognized his need and he called on the Lord, and God saved him. Verse 5 and 6, he says, how kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. And so when the psalmist was in this dire situation, he called on the Lord. He said, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. I'm, I'm dying. I'm drowning. I can't make it myself. And God reached down. And saved him. He had exercised childlike faith. And God had honored that faith. Protected him from certain death. And so the psalmist praises God for his goodness. For his kindness. For his mercy. And so in this psalm the writer is remembering. God's deliverance at some time in the past. Now let's see how you and I can remember God's deliverance. Some of us may have had a a near miss with physical death in our past. In our family, our our son, Joel, he stopped breathing at birth. It was only through God's intervention uh, that he was saved from severe brain damage and death. God intervened and saved him as we prayed and called on the name of the Lord. Now, some of you here may have never had a close brush with physical death, but the Bible teaches us that each person is born entangled with sin. And that sin wraps its cords around us and it will ultimately pull us down into the the fires of hell in the next life. That's the destiny of every person without Jesus Christ. In their lives. But when we call on the name of the Lord. When we call out with childlike faith. And say God save us. Save me. Then he reaches down. He saves us. He forgives our sins. He changes our eternal destiny. From hell to heaven. In order to be saved. You've got to realize. That you have this great need. That you can't solve this problem. Of sin by yourself. And you have to call out on Him on the name of the Lord Jesus. And so those of us who have called out on Him to save us from our sins and from an eternal destiny separated from God forever and ever, for those of us who are truly believers, we have therefore had a great deliverance from God to remember. And so today we're going to take communion later in the service as we do once a month as Jesus has commanded. And Communion or the Lord's Supper is a way to remember. It's a way to remember how God has saved us through his death and resurrection. And so let's remember God's deliverance, what he has done for us. Because without his saving power, we would be lost. And so remembering what God has done for us in the past is the foundation for us to worship God in the present To worship God personally. When we're saved, God wants us to enter into a lifestyle of worship. Worshiping God, as we've already said several times, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. A, A life of walking close to God. A life of learning to worship Him and those personal private moments that we have each and every day. And of course, the foundation is to realize what Jesus has done for you. In saving you from an eternity in hell and from the consequences of our sins. Worship is about expressing our love for God. Verse 1 of the psalm says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The Bible tells us that we love God because he first loved us. God initiated the process. He loved us. He sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die on the cross that we might be forgiven. He expressed his love for us first. And in reply, as we accept that love into our own lives, into our own hearts, we express our love back to him. And so the psalmist here worships by affirming that he loves God because God heard his prayers and rescued him. And he promises to call on the Lord to pray to him all the days of his life personally worshiping God. Our personal worship has its basis in what God has done for us in the past. And the more we realize what God has truly done for us, the more deeply felt, the more profound, the more sincere our worship will be. To worship God, we reflect on God's goodness. Verse 7 says, the psalmist says, Be at rest once more, O soul, for the Lord has been good to you in this busy world that we have we can often be under stress we can often be anxious we can be tempted to worry but when we come into the presence of the Lord and worship he brings us into a place of rest and to a place of peace because worship brings us into the presence of an awesome God a God who has been good to us God Is a good God. And he is good to us. No matter what happens to you in life. No matter what has happened in the past. No matter what may happen in the future. Never forget. Never doubt. That God is good. And God is good to you. Don't blame God. For the things that Satan has done. Don't blame God for the things that Satan has done in your life, and to those around you. Satan is a thief. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is good. And worship involves reflecting on God's goodness in our lives. Worship also is thanking the Lord for His deliverance. Verse 8 says, For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death My eyes from tears. My feet from stumbling. That I may walk before the Lord. In the land of the living. And so worship is directed to the Lord. Here the psalmist addresses the Lord. He thanks him for his deliverance. He's delivered from death. He's delivered from sorrow. He was delivered from falling away from the Lord. And God had done it all. Now the Lord always delivers a person for a purpose. For his purpose. And here God's purpose is. Is stated that we may walk before Him, that we may walk with Him all the days of our life, walking hand in hand with the Lord, following closely in His ways. And so personal worship is is the foundation, should be the foundation of every believer's life. You should have a habit, a good habit, of meeting with God on a daily basis. Spending time with Him in prayer. Spending time reading His Word in worshiping Him and your personal space in your personal time. Express your love to God. Don't just read your chapter and close the Bible and say, I'm done for the day. I checked that one off my list. Interact with God. Worship Him. Reflect on His goodness. Thank Him for what He has done. Enjoy the peace of God in those times. And in those times of worship, when you're actually communicating with your Heavenly Father, if you have ears to hear, God will communicate with you. He'll speak to you. He'll speak into your heart. He'll speak into your mind. He'll make clear his plans and purposes for your life. That's part of worship. Worship is not just a one-way experience in which we thank and praise God. It's also opening our ears to hear what he's saying back to us. Besides those specific daily times of worship that God wants us to set aside and make a priority in our lives each and every day. God also wants us to learn to dwell in his presence all through the day. I might add, for these specific times of worship, these people call it different things, but a time set aside. You need to put it on your calendar. Maybe it's in the morning. The morning is is good for many people. I'm a proponent of morning time with God. Because if you get up on time, you can spend your time with God before the day gets moving. Now, it doesn't work for some people, I understand, but it's a good time. Some people do it late at night just as they're falling to sleep, which you know, maybe isn't giving God the best of your day, but if it works for you, that's okay. But write it on your calendar or it's not going to happen. If you're like me, your days are going to fill up with all kinds of other things. But besides those specific daily times of worship, God wants us to learn to dwell in his presence all through the day. You do that by staying in communication with God. You're talking to him. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. How can you do that? It seems impossible. No, I certainly haven't arrived, but it's a it's a way of Sensing the presence of the Lord and and talking to Him as you go through life. You get up in the morning and you say, thank you, Lord, for this new day. You get in the car and head off to work. And you're communicating with God as you're driving. You say, God, i got this coming up today. I'm not sure how to deal with it. Could you give me some guidance? You get to work and something unexpectedly comes up. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes. You you can pray to God in your mind. He understands your thoughts. Say, God, I didn't know the boss was going to ask me to do that today. I'm not sure I can handle this. Would you please tell me who I need to talk to? When you get home, you're thanking God for your family. You're thanking God that you have a roof over your head. You're thanking God for the supper you're going to eat. Constantly talking to God, constantly being communion, constantly worshiping him. Everything that we do should be done as an act of worship. And so that personal worship that should happen each and every day throughout the day prepares us then to worship God corporately or to worship God as a group of believers. The psalmist asks a question in verse 12. He says, How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Now we can never repay God completely for the goodness that he has poured into our lives, but our lives should be lived for him and not ourselves. That's one way that we express our love and appreciation to him. We repay him in small measure by by glorifying and honoring him before others, in the presence of others. In fact, God desires for his children to worship him with other believers. There's something about. Corporate or collective worship. That honors him. Of being of one mind. Of being of one heart. And choosing to worship him. Together with one voice. And so corporate worship. Is what we do on Sunday mornings here. Corporate worship. We we bring our offering to God. Again worship involves. A lot more than just singing. Verse 17 the psalmist says. I will sacrifice a. A thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. A thank offering in the Old Testament was an an offering brought to the Lord. It was a sacrifice that was offered in public worship. It was offered either to give thanks for deliverance from trouble, which is what the psalmist was doing here, or for a great blessing that God had poured into your life. And you wanted to thank him. You wanted to give him an offering. It was something of value that you gave that you sacrificed to God, something you could have used for something else. But instead of that, you offered it as an offering to him. The psalmist promises here to call on the Lord's name or to pray to him in the public worship. And so worship is not to be solely private. Public worship is to express our love for God in a public way, a way that's unashamed before other people. It glorifies God. Our offerings enable God's work to expand his kingdom around the world. In our public testimony and worship encourages others. How many have ever come to church on Sunday mornings and perhaps you were dealing with something. And as we worship, God lifted your spirits. As we worship, God encouraged you. The worship of others around you, the prayers of others drew you closer to God. We worship God corporately as we keep our promises to God." He says in verse 18, "I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord." And so worshipping corporately also involves keeping our promises to God. Our promises involve our commitment to God and our commitment <clears throat> to God's people. Some of the vows the psalmist might be referring to might be in regard to future offerings. He promises to to give future offerings to the Lord. Other promises might have to do with serving the Lord in the context of the people of God. I'm going to do this to serve you in the... Well, back then it wasn't the church family, but it was the people of Israel, but here it would be the church family. Yet other vows might be of publicly giving praise to God for what God has done in his life. In fact, the psalmist is doing that right here in this... Psalm was undoubtedly used in public worship. And so corporate worship is very important. So how can we today love God through public or corporate worship? First of all, we come to church on Sunday mornings ready to worship God. Now how are we ready to worship God? Ready to worship God as we worship Him, as we have worshiped Him personally the last seven days of the week. We've prepared ourselves. We're walking with God. It's not like Oh, God, you're there. I just remembered. I've forgotten for the last six days. Now we're all on a journey. We're all trying to walk with God more closely, but God wants us to prepare to worship on Sunday mornings, prepared to meet God with the rest of the church family. We worship God through giving uh, offerings to the Lord, giving of our tithe and offerings. A tithe is 10% of your income that's given regularly. When you're paid, you give 10% to the Lord. An offering is on top of the uh, tithe for special occasions of need in the church or simply as this thank offering we talked about, the psalmist talks about, you give thanks to God for some blessing he's brought into your life, for some deliverance that he's brought uh, to your life from a problem. We worship God through prayer. When we worship, we don't just listen to a prayer. Now, you know, when it's a corporate worship, We can't all pray so that everybody else can hear. So usually there's a few people that pray. And as we pray, don't just listen. Participate. Make that prayer your own prayer. Say, God, I agree with that. I pray the same thing. Or you might even add something to it. We worship God through singing his praises. Now worship... Is not just about listening to a band play with your ears and listening to the worship leader and the vocalist sing. Worship is about opening your own mouth and singing from your heart. Worship is is something that we do. We don't just watch people worship. That's not worship. Worship is something that comes from your heart. Now, if, I can see some of you saying, well, what if I can't sing? How can I worship? Well, we all have different talents and abilities. God is the one that distributed it. And it doesn't matter to God. God says, just open your mouth and make a joyful noise. How many people here can make noise? I see, you all can do it. So you all can worship. And so when we're singing, don't just sit there and like that. Open your mouth. Can you read? The words are up there. You can read the words and let that be worship from your heart. God is looking at your heart anyway. It's not the one who sings the most beautifully that's worshiping the best. It's the one whose heart is fully committed to God, whose heart is open, whose expressing his love for God in his own special way. If you're expressing your love and commitment to him, God is happy. Worship is not being a spectator. It's about being a participant. It's about engaging your whole being. Now, if you read through the book of Psalms, people worship in all kinds of different ways. Of course, they sing. They clap their hands. They raise their hands. They dance. They do all kinds of things. And so worship is engaging your your whole being. It should engage your heart. It should engage your heart. It should engage your mind. It should engage your whole body. If you go to a baseball game, have you ever engaged your mouth? When somebody hits a home run, what do you do? Yay! Oh, I raised my hands, didn't I? I mean, you engage your whole body, right? You leap up and you go, hey! Now, you're not really worshiping that player, but that's just a baseball game. How much more when we worship God should we engage our whole beings to worship Him? Worshiping corporately, it's about pleasing God. It's not about being concerned about what the person next to you is going to think about your singing or what you do. Or what are they going to think if I put my hand up? I could just do it like this. <laughs> Nobody will notice. Okay. If you're more concerned about what the person sitting next to you is thinking as you worship, something is wrong. Who is more important, the person sitting next to you or the God who's watching you from heaven? The God who's watching you from heaven. And so we worship with our whole being, our hearts, our minds, and our whole bodies. And so ask God this week to prepare you to grow in worshiping him as we gather together next Sunday. Every Sunday is an opportunity for us as a church family to grow Deeper in our worship of God. To grow more sincere. To to have more participation and less just watching. And so is loving God through worship a priority in your life? God wants it to be. We can grow in worship by remembering what God has done for us in the past. And for every believer today, God has saved us. That was an incredible deliverance. We can grow in worship each and every day by making a point to spend time in the presence of God. Resting in His peace. Receiving guidance from Him. Expressing our love to Him. We can grow in worshiping as a church as we forget about ourselves. As we concentrate on worship, worshiping Jesus. And what is the result of worship? Is it Well, first of all, it pleases God. And when you please God, Good things happen in your life. When you don't please God, not so good. But the Bible teaches us that we become like the person or thing that we worship. that's a very important concept. Like, why should I worship, you know? You become like what you worship. If you spend all kinds of time thinking about something else, thinking about how you can Get ahead in your job. You're you're worshiping that and you're going to become driven by how can I get ahead in my job? That's all you think about. You come to church and how God, can you help me get ahead in my job? That's all. You're worshiping that you're going to become like that. But if we worship God, and say, God, I love you. I want to do what you have for my life. I worship you for you, for your love. I worship you for your goodness. I worship you for your kindness. I worship you for your mercy. Guess what? You're going to become more like him. You're going to become more loving. You're going to become more kind. You're going to become more merciful. So we become like the one that we worship. And secondly, when we worship God, we position ourselves to receive more of his blessing in our lives. I want more of God's blessing in my life. I want to position myself to receive more of God's blessing as I worship him. And as we worship, we go closer to the one that we love, who is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, the most important question that we can ask ourselves are, am I a true worshiper of Jesus Christ? Have I committed my life and love to him? Have I realized that without him, my life and my eternity is hopeless? This morning, if you're not sure that you're a true believer, that you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ, we're going to pray a simple prayer in which you give your life to him as your Lord and Savior. And in this prayer, we're going to admit that we have sinned. And that sin has destined us to an eternity in hell. Not just a few years in purgatory, which... Is not taught in the Bible, but an eternity in hell. And we need a deliverance. Secondly, we're going to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took our sins upon himself. He paid the debt so that we did not have to spend eternity in hell, that we could go to heaven. We believe in him. We invite him into our lives and commit our lives to following him and his ways. So let's bow our heads right now. If you're not sure that you're a believer this morning, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Do something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've spent my life worshiping things other than you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior, to following your plan for my life, to worshiping you throughout this life and into eternity in a place called heaven. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.